Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. If your family here, buckle up. If you're a guest here, welcome. Join in with us. This is our house, but this is also the house of God. So I invite you and I challenge you, bring your offering this morning. Bring your offering of praise this morning to a worthy God, to a loving Father, to one who hears and responds. Open your heart this morning and give a good gift, an offering to the Lord. Join in. If you're wondering why we're pausing, it's because I'm waiting to see if we have it in us to draw closer. He said, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Just about five, five minutes ago, the, the, we're just seeing, uh, uh, really is what it is, is the, the curtain, the little glimpse of the goodness of God is shining through. That's all it is. He, he said, you've pleased me, and he opened the curtain just a bit, and the, the light came shining through. And it's like, it's like in the morning when the sun's shining directly into the window, and you open the curtain a bit, and it strikes you. And you, you have two choices. You can back off, say, oh, I'm not ready for it. Or you can open it up and, and let it shine. And, and, and I res- it, the Lord reminded me of Moses. And he said, what did Moses do? And why was he called my friend? And he said, when he saw the light shining on the mountain, he says, most people were in fear and would back away. But he says, he saw it. And he says, I've got to come closer. I've got to draw closer to see what this is. I've got to, I need more of that light, which is that goodness of the Lord. And so this is that moment, what Pastor Mark was just saying. Do we, what are we cho- choosing? That was enough? That was enough of His goodness? I'm a little bit afraid of exposure to, to my lack of goodness. Or I say, Lord, i got to have a little more of your goodness, so I'm going to draw closer, and I'm going to dare to open the curtain a little more to let that light shine even more. And as you do, that is when the incense is put on the altar, and that aroma shines, goes up unto the Lord. And he says, he says that sweet aroma, and he says, I find, you find favor in my sight when that happens. You know what Kim shared this morning? is the heart of the message that the Lord has given me to share with us today. And so, Lord, we want to say to you, God, that uh, you've given us a promise that the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth. We want to say, Lord, we want to submit to you today, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would lead us into all truth today. Lead us into all truth today. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this moment. I'm going to share right now. And uh, Thank you, Father. So this morning as we're coming into His presence and worship, I keep feeling these different images coming up in front of my mind, and in front of my heart. And uh, they are images of of different aspects of drawing near, and I'm thinking of David. You know, David understood something about what God required. He understood something about what God was looking for from him. I mean, uh, his wife had grown up in the king's house, and presumably 
she would have been close to the things of God. And yet when David began to worship, David the man after God's own heart, he entered a realm of doing things in a way that she did not even understand. She had never seen before. It offended her. It startled her. It shocked her. It caused her to criticize. And this is not the way a king should act. But David understood something that, no, I I will make myself even more undignified than this because it's not about the people and it's not about the young maidens and it's not about, you know, being strong so that I can capture the imagination and the, 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 uh, the support of the nation so that they'll follow me. This is before the Lord. And what he understood, it's not the... It's not my leadership skills and not just doing the right thing that secures my position as king, but it's God who made me king, and it's God who will hold me in this place, and it's God who will keep me here if I honor him in the way I need to honor him. And so David understood something about the kingdom of God. He understood something about coming near to God that nobody else seemed to understand And when we're summarizing his life, we say David was a man after God's own heart. In other words, he was a man who aligned himself. He was a man who who decided what was important to him based on what was important to God. And it's it's set up, this idea of David, this man after God's own heart, is set up as as a status symbol for us, but also a plumb line of what do we want? What do we want? What do we really want? In our heart of hearts, what do we really want? How badly do we want the kingdom of God? How badly do we want the ways of God? Are we content to see God's acts like Israel was, or do we want to be like Moses, who understood God's ways, who thought, that's great, that's great that that uh, bush is burning, but why is it burning? I must draw closer to figure this out. I must understand, why is this bush burning and this one isn't? It was a a manifestation of this desire for not just to see God move, but why does God move? What moves the heart of God? What, What releases God to move at this time in this place and not over here and not over here and not over here? Because I'm telling you, God is looking for a people who have a heart for Him, who say, who say God, I want to know your ways. I don't want to just applaud revival or something God has done from a distance. I want to know, why? Why did you move at this time in this season? So uh, my heart is even crying out, even now, and I'm saying, God, I want to have that heart like David. And if you, if you uh, even have a mind to know that this should be the way you ought to go. I want you to put your hand on your heart and just say, God, I, I want to be taught. God, I want, I want you to begin to separate in me. God, what is my desire from your desire? And even Jesus, who was in the Garden of Gethsemane as he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. There, there was a distinction to be made between his will, his desire, what he would have favored in that moment and what you favored. But he was willing to say, God, not me, not my, what I want, not what's most comfortable to me, but I want to know what you want. You know, the mistake we've made is to, to think that there's only two points of separation. It's those that are, that are going to heaven and those that aren't. I want to submit to us today that the, the partitions are much greater 
between those who are going to hell and those who are going to heaven. That's not the only divide that exists. What if I submitted to you that there were hundreds of different divides? What if the possibility existed of you being and having an experience with God greater than you've ever known? I mean, the part of the problem to me with the church historically is that people get in and then they, they, they're, they're saved and they feel like, oh, I, I'm saved now. Now my whole job is to get other people saved. Yeah, it is your whole job, but in the, it's your job in the context of you ascending more because we are being changed from glory to glory. From glory to another glory. And what is the difference between this glory and this glory? I mean, we have, we have light to understand that because the dimensions of light, we realize that, that when we are in darkness and there is a light, that you can get incrementally, incrementally closer and closer and closer to that light. And that the clarity, the ability to see, and I mean... You know, from a natural standpoint, that, that seems all we understand. But from a spiritual standpoint, God is saying, listen, I am the epitome of beauty. I am life and love itself. I am everything beautiful. And one incremental step closer to me gives you the experience of unfathomable beauty. Why do you think the four beasts before the throne of God, they continue to say day and night, day and night, day and night? They aren't programmed to just, you know, have this. It's not a computer thing. These are real beings, and their worship is sincere. And every time they look at God, they're overwhelmed again, even though they've had it. They've seen the glory of God. They're as close to to God as anybody, it seems. And yet they are overwhelmed again. And again and again, continuously compelled to keep saying the whole, the, the, the same lines over. How is it we get this idea that, you know, I'm saved, now i got to just live out my life and be good. We don't realize what he's giving. Do you know that I'm offering you proximity? Proximity to consummate goodness? God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see that it's not just about not going to hell. It's not just about, Lord, uh, having our eternal security. It's about, it's about being close to the most beautiful thing we can possibly imagine. Lord, give us the heart. Give us the heart, Lord. We're, as, we're, as we're here today, we say, Lord, give us the heart to pursue you, to have a lifestyle of drawing near to you, of longing for you, of reaching for you, of experiencing more of you, yet intuitively knowing that there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. Oh, because the Lord is saying, if you will do this, I will make you a shining path. I will make you a banner. I will make you a light in the earth, and the people will begin to see that you have something that the earth has never seen before. Oh, I'm just trying to be a good Christian. Just draw nearer to the Lord and be transformed. You can't be a better Christian than the level of impartation of light that you have right now. And the key to becoming a better Christian is not behaving better. It's drawing closer to the light. It's drawing closer to Him. It's stepping one incremental step closer to awesome beauty. 
and suddenly you become a partaker of that awesome beauty. And then everywhere you go, it's, it just begins to slip out. It just people are like, what is it about this person? What do you think was it that was about Jesus? Yeah, it was the signs and the wonders, but they just, people just liked being around him. There's something. There's something. There's something. Uh, Father, we, we want to lay down today every idea. Lord, that we have crossed the last threshold that we need to cross. And from this on in, we just need to, just need to hold on to what we have. And, and if we can hold on to what we have, we're in. God, we want to abandon that kind of fatalistic thinking, Lord, that uh, finite thinking. This is my prayer. This is my heart. This is, uh, this is what drives me. If you ever wonder, you know, what is it that causes Pastor Mark to be able to come on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings and travel where I go and, and to come into the, the, the presence of God. What is it that, you know, is it the job description? Is it the fact that he gets paid? Is it, what is it? It's the insatiable knowledge that there's just more, just more, just more, just a little head ahead. There's more. And if you've experienced any freedom, if you have experienced any light, if anything has ever dropped off you in terms of a chain or a, or a shadow or a burden, I'm telling you, there's, a, there's another level just beyond where you're at that will be shocking to you. I want to be shocked. I want to be shocked. I want to be astounded. Now, I'm not saying these things to make people emotional, but... You know, they're, they're in the real world that Jesus is in, in the real world, when he walked by and blind Bartimaeus heard that he was walking by, he began to cry out because he knew this was the one chance. This was the one chance to change his life. And what if another moment is coming? What if there's another opportunity just close by and we don't know? We don't know. This, this is it. I think one of the reasons why God is going to wipe the tears from our eyes is because we're going to see that there was these moments when we came so close, so close, so close. There's something of a trajectory, and then the enemy provided a distraction, or he brought offense, or he brought division, or he caused something in our lives to, to, to distract us or pull us aside. And we realize later on that we could have had, we could have had another layer of the glory of God in our lives. If you're struggling to accept that this is actually true, let me take you back to Scripture. The ark of God stood in the house of Abinadab for 20 years, and nothing happened in that house. And then David decides to try and move the ark, and what happened? The ark starts to stumble. The oxen trip a little bit. It shakes. Uzzah, Abinadab's son, reached out and touched the ark. Because for 20 years in the household of his father, he didn't access the presence of God. I just want to show you something. I have a verse here. What verse is that? Can you read that? 2 Samuel 6, 6-9. It says, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died by the ark of the Lord. 
So after that moment, what changes? The ark moves to a different household. And it's only there for three months. It's the house of Obed-Edom. And everything in that household gets blessed. Everything. And the only difference between these two households, they're Jews. They're the promised people. They're in, they're in the presence of God. They're in the, 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 the chosen nation. They're proximity-wise closer than any other nation on the earth. But one household accessed the presence of God. The other didn't. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Scripture is telling us time and time again, the Spirit of God is in you. You are the temple of God. His presence in us. What do you want to do? Do you want to wait 20 years and hope God does something all by Himself to lay hold? Or do you want to go after Him? Do you want to go after Him? It doesn't have to be 20 years waiting for the next move of God. Three months is all it took in a different household. And there's a follow-on. When the gatekeepers in the house of the Lord are enumerated, guess whose name is there? Obed-Edom. That guy figured out where the power came from. That guy figured out where the blessing came from. He wasn't a Levite. He wasn't a priest. But he said, I'm darn well going to get as close to this as I'm allowed to. I'm going to get as close. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Okay? So he got it. Do we get it? Oh God, oh God, give us the heart of an Obadidim. Lord, who tasted of the beauty of God Almighty in his house. And when the moment came for that beauty to be removed, he said, I'm, I'm closing up shop. I'm drawing near. I, I, I can't be a priest. I can't be a Levite. I can't be the one who serves in the temple. I can't be the one who comes in once a year. But I'm going to get as close as I can possibly be. But that's the Old Testament pattern. And the New Testament pattern is this. It says, you are a royal priesthood. That you can draw as close to God as you want to be. That there's no more one that says, because you're a Levite, you can only do this. Because you're a carpenter, you can only do this. In the New Covenant, it says you are a royal priesthood. Access to God is unlimited. It's only determined by your heart. It's only determined by your faith. It's only determined by your willingness to pursue. I, I feel like we are inviting a level of the administration of the kingdom of heaven that God has promised us. And I'm saying, Lord, I don't even know what this is. I don't even know what it should look like. But we're saying, Holy Spirit, come and release your kingdom here. Holy Spirit, come and release your presence here. Holy Spirit. Now, I believe what the Holy Spirit wants to do is liberate us today from the confining lines that have confined us and kept us to a lower revelation. You know, before I knew the Lord, I, uh, I was into all kinds of experiential things in terms of sin. And I did a lot of drugs. And I, I did the drugs because they were, they were drawing me seemingly to a more beautiful and beautiful experience. And, and when, I, when I was drinking and when I was uh, smoking pot and when I was doing acid and, uh, and uh, MDA and those things, it, it, was, 
it was this, I felt, I kept feeling there's this beauty. There's this beauty just beyond my reach. There's this beauty just beyond my reach. And what I was br- being brought into was a lie. What I was bringing, be- being brought into was a trap that there's no beauty to be found through that gateway. But what it was, was you do a certain kind of drug and, you know, it's great and it's wonderful. But all of a sudden, you know, there's a principle of diminishing returns. And now you do those same drugs and it's not doing it like it did before. So you, somebody else introduces you. Well, have you tried this? Have you tried? And then, oh, that's, that's way better. But that becomes unsatisfying after a while. And then somebody says, well, you, have you tried this and this and this? And death is where that leads to. But that, that pattern that the enemy has, uh, has set up, he saw that pattern in heaven. He saw a pattern of incremental uh, levels of the beauty of God that caused people to come closer and closer and closer. And God is trying to say to us, unfathomable beauty is just beyond your reach right now. But I've prepared it for you. And I'm not the one that's keeping you out. Yes, there are boundaries. Yes, there are lines. But those who desperately seek will find it. Those who knock and those who ask and those who seek will find. And you might say, oh, I've been in church a long time and I've, I've done everything and I've prayed in tongues and I've gone to conferences and I've gone to meetings and I've gone to this and I've gone to that. And I've, I've seen the same stuff that you're talking about and I've seen the, the same staleness come upon my soul. But I believe at the end of the day that there is a promise. I believe at the end of the day that the God who said, you will find me if you seek me, causes me to seek him. Because I understand this, that God is not a liar. And if there is a criteria to be fulfilled and I have not found him, then evidently I have not fulfilled the criteria because there is no wrong in him. There is no wrong in him. There is no lie in him. There's no deception. He's saying, listen, I want to give you more. Well, Lord, I don't don't understand. I'm at this place and I'm dying. Well, there's something. You know what what radiation does? It it, It kills something in you that shouldn't be there. But it's so powerful, it kills everything. And the only question is, will you survive longer than the cancer? And God is saying, my presence is like radiation, and it kills something in you. And I've got you at a certain place, and that light is shining through, and it's killing something. And as you keep pursuing me, as you keep pressing, it's breaking something down. It's filtering something from your heart. And it's hope. It's faith. No, I believe. I believe. I believe. But what happens is, uh, I don't know. I... uh, I'm not sure this is real. I'm not sure there's any more. I'll just, I'm just going to, you know, I've, I've, I've been offended. I've been hurt. I've been disillusioned. I've been depressed about the condition of the church. We'll just, you know, we'll just live, live at a, diff, a distance from the administration of the organized church. And we'll just hope that something's happening, you know, and we'll go to heaven. And God is saying, no, there's something being done in the midst of my people as they walk together, as they seek one, uh, the, the presence of the Lord. Now, I want to read you some passages, and I, I know I've shared this before, but as we, Cam and I were in the Netherlands, and I shared 
for seven days, seven days, sometimes 90 minutes a day on this theme every day, Cam says to me, you know, I, I have heard that before, but never have I heard that before like this. And it is part of the core of, of, of the vision that God has given me about the kingdom of God, and it, it's part of my reason for being. Because I see God at the center of creation or at the center of, of where he is. And I see everything that goes out from him. And I see uh, just, it just goes for, for eons of space because he's just that great. And this morning I was reading about the promise that God gave uh, in Revelations. And let me read this to you before I go on. Because I, f- I feel like it's showing us something. It's in Revelations chapter 3. And if you've, ever, if you've ever wondered about the incremental nature of drawing near to God and what He's exacting from us, read the words of Jesus to the seven churches of Asia. If you're wondering what, what, what does God require, does God really require anything other than church attendance and tithing? Read the words. But look what he says here. Because you have kept my commandment to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test all who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have and that no one take your crown. What? You mean somebody can take my crown? Evidently. Can I lose what I have? Evidently. But he goes on to say this. He says, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him a new name. When I read stuff like that, I think, God, we don't have a clue. I don't have a clue what is held in reserve. I read the other things, the other rebukes, and the other promises, and none of them are quite like this. They're all framed different ways. Different things are being offered to different people. And this one stands out distinct because it's about proximity. He said, listen, there's a special place reserved for a special kind of overcomer that I'll make them a pillar, a significant part of the temple of God, the habitation of God. And here's the promise. You can come in and you don't have to leave again. And when I I read that, I'm overwhelmed by this sense that not everybody's allowed to stay. Not everybody's allowed to draw as near. And I'm thinking, what an amazing promise that of all the things, and there's going to be tons of things going on in heaven for eternity. There's going to be industrious activity on, on so many levels, wonderful, fulfilling activities. But the greatest of them all will be to be in His presence with the right to be there and not have to leave at all, ever. And that conjures up for me images of an administration of an earthly kingdom where the king has 
those attendants that are really close to him and those advisors that are really close to him. And yeah, you know, somebody is being sent out. Somebody comes in, they get an air and they're sent out, but they have to go far away from the king to do that thing. And I'm sure that it's, a, it's just a pleasure and a privilege to do anything. But oh, what would it be like to be the ones who never have to leave the presence of the king? Well, who, who determines that? Who determines that? The disciples came, and they understood some of this. They were looking through a glass darkly, and they they said, Lord, we want to be the ones that sit at your right hand and your left hand. It said, it's not for me to give, but it's given to those for whom it is prepared. Oh, is that just divine election? It's like you're saved and you're not, and you're, you're, uh, you're going to be in the outer court. You're going to be miles away. You're going to be eons away, and you, you get, you're, you got a nice face. But what's the paradigm he's given us? It's like if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. So in, in Exodus, we see this initial, initial promise And Israel doesn't know the God of Israel. And so God commands Moses in verse 10 of Exodus 19. He says, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of the people. Wow, never before has a nation or a people seen God as a fearsome thing. He says, but you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, take heed to yourselves that you do not go up the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. And then we know what happened in verse 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of a trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon him behind it upon it in fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the mountain quaked greatly and when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder Moses spoke and God answered by voice and the Lord then came upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And if you go on and read in verse chapter 24, it says Moses was sent to bring up a group of people. So we have this boundary, this line set around the mountain, and yet God says bring up the high priest, Abathar, bring up your brother, bring up Joshua, bring up the 70 elders but nobody else. And what that tells us is that there, there's an exclusivity to the kingdom of God. In the same way, John was the disciple that Jesus loved. 
and then there was the three, and then there was the other nine, and that, that there, there was, why, why was John the one, again, what's the criteria that made John loving? I mean, uh, the, one, the one that made John able to come near. And it's kind of like Dean Briggs was sharing last week. It's the, the lack of dissonance in John. That when Jesus spoke, the, something in John resonated. Something in John agreed. Something in John was not, hey, I think. Instead, I have an idea. Instead, I'm not sure about that. Because Jesus could feel the unbelief. He could feel the level of agreement. He could feel the level of, yeah, I'm not sure you're right on that one, Jesus. I mean, the disciples, they wouldn't dare speak it up, but in their hearts, and he could feel that. But with John, when he said something, there's something resonated, John's heart was open. And so, so Jesus could feel that drawing near, so he drew near to him. And God is saying, listen, the administration of my kingdom is decided by those who draw near. Because in the drawing near, something is happening. In the picture of the fire on the mountain and the death that, ta- that it takes to actually... Because if you go past the appointed line, something dies. And there's a picture there that God is saying, listen, this far and no further for you. But if you want to come closer, you can. But something's got to die. Something has to die. And I, I, I travel all over the world, and I see Christians who, they're in churches, they're, and they're dry, and they're stale, and they're dying. They're like, you know, they're, they, they don't believe, they don't know that there's something more, because they're in this place, and, well, I've died, and I've obeyed, and I've done these things, but I haven't experienced more of God. And I just present to people this. I said, who are you going to believe? Your experience that says, yeah, I've done everything necessary, but I can't seem to get more of God? Or God who says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. See, something needs to die. Some adherence to, you know, we hate being wrong. We absolutely hate being wrong. But if you're going to walk with a powerful, all-knowing God, get used to it. So, Lord, we say your ways are higher than our ways. And, Lord, we look at even here in the Old Testament, 70 of them, in Exodus 24, it says that, It says that they ascended the mountain, and it says they saw God. Verse 10, they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in his clarity. In the next verse at the end, it says, so they saw God, and they ate and drank. And out of that group of 74 or so, Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you the tablets of stone. Verse 13 says, so Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up the mountain of God. Moses went up, and Joshua went up, but the elders were not allowed to go up, and the priests, the high priest was not allowed to go up. But something was given to Moses and, and, and to Joshua. And then they're up there six days when the voice of the Lord says, Now, Moses, you come up. And you think it's all very arbitrary. Yeah, I'd I'd like to be one of those. And the Lord is saying, You could be. You can be. The prescription is there. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. That God is seeking those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. That 
that it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And he's just looking for a heart that says, oh God, you are right in all of your ways. And I'm going to keep, in my ignorance, even if I'm groping in the dark, I'm going to keep plugging away at this. I'm not going to be satisfied with this tear of freedom, this tear of your presence. I'm, I'm not going to be satisfied because God has a system of diminishing returns. And so much of the church is on a plateau where, yeah, it's just church as usual. I come and it's, you know, now it's just work. Now it's just putting up with, with people's foolishness. And, you know, but God is saying, no, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. Do you believe? I mean, a God who's beyond our imagination and beauty and wonder and splendor, whose ways are past finding out, he has promised us, I will give you the secret of the Lord, but it's reserved for those who fear me. So I see I see this morning when we were in prayer, I see, I keep seeing this, this administration of the kingdom of heaven. I see the throne of God, and this morning I saw the rainbow. But the rainbow wasn't an arc over the, the thing. It was an arc of light around the throne of God. You know, because the, the rainbow is a complete circle. It's not, a, it's not an arc. It's a complete circle. We only see half of it because it's hidden and doesn't penetrate into the earth, but but the it is a circle. And I saw this morning that out of the brilliance of the light of God is this circle of incremental lights, and that the light itself is an administration of the kingdom of heaven that keeps people at different places in the mountain of God. And I and the, yet there's this offer that's being made: Who shall ascend? Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? I'm saying, Lord, establish your kingdom here. Establish your government here. Establish your authority here. Establish your presence here. But I feel like the Lord is saying, but are you, are you ready to absorb the protocols? Because when Uzzah, you know, he, he began to take it light. Oh, yeah, we've lived around that ark forever. I've played underneath it. I've, my toys have been, you know, on the floor around, and I've played there. And he, he, was, he was familiar and he, st- he stretched his head out and touched it, and God said, struck him down. Not because he was the most evil thing, but God had to say, do you know what it is you're touching? And so he says to Moses, build according to the pattern. And he says to the people, you cannot enter except by blood and by this protocol. Do you think the protocol is le- any less exacting today than it was then? It is at least as exacting, except it's not a matter of blood, it's not a matter of steps, it's not a matter of ceremony, but it's a matter of the cleansing of the heart of man. It's a matter of a worship in spirit and truth. It's a matter of a humility. It's a matter of a hunger. It's a matter of, God, I worship you, all my being, everything inside me. I will make myself more undignified than this. I'm going to draw near to you, and if it means I have to crawl, I want more of your presence. Because as... Even while God is inviting us in to the light of His presence, there is a cost for each increment of that light. And this morning I was thinking of the Queen of England. And back in the 70s, our Prime Minister, I won't even mention his name, but he's arrogant and proud. And he's not really willing to honor but, you know, it's the Queen of England. So he, and, he, and he's walking behind her, and he does this silly pirouette. 
And I think how embarrassing that our prime minister, you know, can't honor. And you think, well, it's not important. She's just a person. But it's a reflection. The ability to honor authority on earth just somehow reflects your ability to honor God's authority. And I'm saying, Lord, deliver us. Deliver us from that flippant, cheesy attitude that, well, God loves me. I can do whatever I want. That I have just as much access as anybody to the presence of God. And yet God, God has established boundaries very decisive boundaries. And as a church, as a church, we collectively are drawing near to God. And we're saying, God, come and visit Spruce Grove. Come and establish your kingdom here. And there's a promise hanging over us that he wants to do something unusual in the earth beginning right here. And I believe he wants to do it in in innumerable places across the earth. But there's a promise here. And us as a people, we are collectively going in. And this morning as we're worshiping, somebody may have felt like, man, I feel like we keep going around the same place. I keep always, it's the same sound and like, I want something more. But, you know, we don't decide whether we can cross that boundary. He decides when the door is opened. Well, what's supposed to happen? Is it a particular song? No, it's not a particular song. Is it a particular volume level? Is it a particular kind of dance? No, it's a kind of collective expression of hunger and faith from the hearts of people who are resigned and, and to, to seek Him at all costs. And then something, suddenly a door opens and a presence comes in. And we think, and, 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 uh, and we, we may, the next level of the presence of God may astound us and may keep us fixated on him for years but i'm telling you there's there's more beyond that so what what is what are we going to make of our lives you think well our, we want to reach others yes but to the degree that you've attained that's what you give to the degree that that glory has touched you that's the only glory you can give and so he's saying i'm looking for a people and we've been in a fast now for 40 days and and uh, the fast is basically our, our best efforts to say, God, we want to humble ourselves and we want to demonstrate that we, we long for more of you and we want to deny ourselves in some way, even if it's a token, even if it, you know, whatever, uh, whatever. And we don't know, God, what, what is it you need to do in me that will give me permission? The kingdom of God consists of increasing levels of security clearance into his presence. And I don't know how far we can go, but... What a tragedy if we only go half as far as he intended. There's no prescription for what to do, but we're just release a cry to heart from your heart to God. God, God, take me past. Take me past. Take me past. Lord, take me past the labor. God, take me past the brazen altar. Take me past everywhere I've been before. You know, I don't want us going away from this time and thinking that Pastor Mark represents the epitome of this. Because I want to tell you what has is, what is shifted in me in the last few years is the seeing people running ahead of me, people having access that I don't have, and actually uh, being frustrated by that and for a time wanting to deny that and finally coming to the place where I'm saying, okay, God, what do you need to do 
in me to give me the access that they have. And that's the issue. Not worshiping somebody who's ahead of us, not thinking that's the ultimate. But what do I have to do? There are people ahead of me. There are people touching things I don't get to touch. God, I accept the fact that you are disseminating security clearances, and I want to posture myself. I want to align with heaven so as not to be left out of anything that you've promised me in my life. That's what it's about. It is an epic journey. Your entire life, when you look back, it's going to be measured by this one thing. How did you pursue? How did you align? What priority did that take? And so we're asking God, God, give me the heart. Give me the eyes to see. Give me the passion. Lord, we want to run hard after you. Lord, we accept your word that says those that you love, you chasten. Lord, those that you love, Lord, it says in Hebrews 12, Lord, that you scourge those that you love and every son that comes to you. So, Lord, we say we believe your love. We believe that you are trying to qualify us, Lord, to participate in your holiness, to participate in the refining, manifesting of the glory of God out of earthen vessels. Lord, that what everything you're doing is motivated by love. Lord, we say bring the word. Lord, bring the word that reveals who you are that transforms us, and that changes us. And I want to say this, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. And you maybe have been in the church world for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and you may be, yeah, nothing new under the sun, but you haven't seen everything under the sun. There's a lot more that hasn't been seen even by this generation. And so, Lord, we want to lean into that as a people. This is not a one-time shot. This is a striking the ground today and tomorrow and the next day and while you're at work and when you're driving to your car and when you're driving home and when when you're sitting down for supper, it's like, God, give me the heart that pines for you, longs for you, thirsts for you all the time.